0: Hello and welcome to a rather different episode of Tasting Menu. Today we'll be looking back, not just over the week, but over an entire year of economist journalism. Among the images on our cover this year were a city built from knives and guns as we set our minds to reducing violent crime. The iconic Hollywood sign, replaced by the word Netflix, the tech giant everyone's been watching this year, and a speeding roadster, to illustrate an analysis of the American economy running hot. So how does a picture sell a thousand words? I'm joined by Zanny Minton Beddoes, the economist, editor-in-chief, and the person who makes the decisive call every week on what goes on our cover. Hello, Zannie. Hello, Anne. And by Edward Carr, our deputy editor, also heavily involved in that process. Welcome to you both. Hello, Ed. Hi. You've each brought a few of your favourites to look at. We've got them laid out in the table in front of us. Which covers stand out for you, Zenny? Well, I think being asked to choose your
1: favorite cover is a bit like being asked to choose your favorite child, which is why I've come with lots and lots of them. There are several that stood out for me this year. I think if I'm focusing on what was sort of important to The Economist in a rather self-obsessed way, it is our anniversary cover in September where we turned 175 and we had the numbers 1843 and 2018, done very cleverly by our designer on a simple white-on-red cover. Beyond that, I think there are lots of covers that I've loved visually, and there are lots of covers that I think have addressed really important themes. And there are some covers which are always difficult when they are issues and themes that you have to keep coming back to and have to try and think of creative ways of doing And I guess I would put Brexit and the Trump administration right up there. I'm going to make you describe one or two of those. Brexit has forced its way onto our cover several times this year. And I actually think the ones that have worked best for me are the ones that have tried to inject a bit of humour into this endless saga. So we had a picture of a roll of loo paper which said, why softer is better pretty simple joke, not the world's most sophisticated joke. I think Ed that week was, he probably has a more high-minded since, sense of humor than you I do. <laughs> you know, it appealed to my kind of base sense of humor. Um, when we came out for a second referendum, I thought was an altogether more sophisticated visual joke. The best way out of the Brexit mess, it's a mass, it's a spaghetti junction of a road going all in circles and around and around. And if you look very hard you can see that there is the number two emerges from a, a bridge that leads you out of the mess with a small mini climbing up to the top of the two. And that's because you were... We were coming out in favor of a second referendum, and we, we but we did want the cover to be somewhat subtle. So we didn't want it to kind of scream second referendum but this is one i've actually tested out on several readers and quite a lot of them haven't got it actually
0: so it may have been too subtle what about america ed and everything that flows from that what caught your eye on that
2: when you're asked to pick your favorite cover the difficult thing is to some covers are visually appealing and some covers are appealing because of the ideas they represent and it's a kind of long those two axes that you're trying to pick your favourite cover. So for instance, one I thought that was visually very powerful was when we were writing about the trade war and we did Trump as a grenade, kind of orange and angry and about to explode. And that was just a visually very powerful way of representing what's really quite a difficult and abstract set of arguments. But thematically... One of my favorites has been the first cover we did on what I think has been a very important theme for this year, which was the growing tensions between the two superpowers, America and China. And back in January, seems a long time ago, we did a cover on the next war, which was to go with a long special report about the future of warfare. But the leader and the cover focused in on the growing superpower rivalry in the sense that we live in an increasingly dangerous world. And it's actually a theme we return to several times tensions over technology China and Europe the direct rivalry between China and the US, we did quite recently on the cover, illustrated by a big sort of dragon with an eagle in the, in the middle of it.
0: Very good for illustration, China, you have to say. We had a sort of pop up. Well, it, it is,
2: but you have to escape. China cover as well. You know, you, you're sort of dealing with pandas and dragons, and it can get a little bit repetitive. So, actually, I think you always have to sort of reject your first idea when you're dealing with a, a China cover. You want to try and have something that's just a little bit more subtle than that.
1: I think it's very easy to fall into stereo with China. Too many pandas, too many dragons. And that's actually the interesting thing about covers. And I'm I'm very struck. People sometimes ask me what's kind of the most surprising thing about doing my job and Ed's job. And it's actually one thing is how much time you spend on covers. We have a lot of discussions with a cover designer. We have a lot of discussions with the colleagues involved. And then there are basically two sets of decisions. One is what's the subject you put on the cover. And that's probably mainly Ed and I, and that is a function of, you know, one of us is in charge every week. That's a function of what you think is the most important subject that week, but it's also sometimes we go for a non-news cover where we have something important and arresting to say, and you have to judge which of those to go for. Once you've gone for that, then I think it's a question of what's the right kind of image? And the best cover images are ones which are have a visual cleverness about them. Something that's arresting is more than just it hits you and then you you find something clever in it. I'm a great believer and I like humorous covers. I have a kind of probably rather simplistic sense of humor, but they cheer me up. I like laughing when I look at the cover. But you also have to think, although newsstand is much less important than it used to be, it has
0: to be something that jumps out at people when they look at it quickly. But it also gets copied around on social media, doesn't it? And I that's a really interesting change since, uh, should we say, since we all came into the journalism business. I mean,
2: For for me, the the thing I'm trying to do when we're talking about covers is distilling the idea down to the simplest image possible. A cover to me should be like a poster, Mm -hmm. It should just be there and you see it and it's a resting, powerful image. And then you look at it. So, for example, when we were doing Facebook in one of the particularly – many bad weeks for Facebook this year Zanny came up with the word we were a bit worried it might be a, a bit sort of oldies but 50, it, epic 50 fail 50 year
1: old pretending <laughs> that right. she's with her children. in fact we tested it out on various oh, so younger like members it. of staff and they actually many of them oh. thought it was just you know nobody says epic fail anymore they said which is true I think if you're a cutting edge teenager nobody says epic fail but it actually just about passed the test because it was kind of and then Older the F. people
0: thinking they were hip. So but, but <laughs> so I'm, going, I'm going to describe it because yeah. neither of you have. It's uh, that uh, Facebook blue. It's a particular blue, isn't it? The way that The Economist has a particular red as its colour. It's epic fail, but the F has just fallen off. It looks like a badly made stage set and it's just lost its F.
2: And I think whereas the epic and the ale are in our uh, cover font, the F is in Facebook's.
1: And it was one of those ones which was either going to work. And I think it did, luckily. Or it was going to be a kind of catastrophic failure of a cover and people are going to go, oh, my goodness, they're trying to be too cool. And this is all just disastrous.
0: Do you hear back? I mean, when you say oh, yeah. people yeah. might take against something or they like something more than you thought, do you let well, daylight I, luckily, in there? Well, so... I don't think
1: we've had a catastrophe of a cover. I'm trying to remember. I, I can't think of an utter catastrophe, but we've definitely had ones that have not worked as well as we thought they did. And they've sort of sunk without trace. But a successful cover as you say, social media propagates it. One of the one of the most unlikely successes, in fact, I think by far the most widely distributed cover we had this year was partly, I think, the boldness of the cover art, but it was a cover of Jair Bolsonaro, the now president of Brazil, coming out three or four weeks before the election. It was done in a sort of poster art style. It's a very, very striking cover. Latin America's latest menace. And it went completely viral within mm. Brazil and it was retweeted, you know, tens of thousands of times. And so it's Brazilian a very, Brazilian covers as well were, were there, were Yes, they, and it was it picked life. up by, you know, both the opposition and parties and it took a huge life of its own. So I think a successful cover can really... Go
0: viral. Let's talk about Donald Trump in some ways, a gift to illustrators, and very frequently on the the cover. I particularly liked the cover that had Donald Trump as Miley Cyrus on her wrecking ball, that metaphor for our view at the time of his foreign policy. There he is, swinging away. They're not quite as seductive. As Miley can be at her well, We best. thought
1: about having him
0: dressed like Miley and we just thought it was just. Did you? Just yeah, that was awful. a bit too literal. It was a bit too literal. We just thought, no, no, we really can't do that. So you left him suited and booted. That's an interesting cover, isn't it? Because it's America's foreign policy, Trump on the wrecking ball. What was going on at the time? Remind us, because I think we then subsequently thought that it was a defense of some aspects of Trump's foreign policy. The argument actually, and was sort of made both of those points,
1: it said Trump is a wrecking ball. Trump is smashing the existing world order. But even in that leader, we said it wasn't clear in some areas actually better things could come of it. And I think much of our coverage this year has been trying to sort of work out, weigh those two things. Clearly, he has contempt for the post-war liberal order. He has contempt for the norms of foreign policy. He is willing to go and smash things up. And that is enormously damaging in lots of ways. But what comes out of that can actually have some positive elements. So this was, I think, in the light of North Korea. It was a a moment which has been repeated subsequently. I mean, this is going to be the story of Donald Trump. Was there anything positive that came out of the smashing?
2: It was around the time of the NATO summit and North Korea. And we were seeing whether Trump's diplomacy would bear fruit. I think he was also seeing Putin at around that time too. So there was all of these balls were up in the air. And as Danny said, it was an attempt to work out whether there was creative destruction or just destruction.
0: And something else that we do now and then, which I think is quite distinctive actually to The Economist in particular way that we do things is choose something you wouldn't necessarily think it's a story of the week. It's not on the cover of other publications. And the example I think you chose, Ed, was a cover we did on the decline in the suicide rate. Tell me a bit about that.
2: Well, this was a week when I hadn't been around for a few weeks. So I, I read this completely as a reader. I didn't know it was coming up. And I thought it was it was gripping. As you say, it's important, I think, to vary the mix in covers. You know, relentless news gets tiring. But if you're off the news all the time, it seems a bit irrelevant. Well, part of that mix is this suicide cover, which makes a a really interesting argument and points out something I, I just hadn't known, that the fall in the suicide rate, the lives you've saved with that fall, amount to something like the number of people who've died in wars over the last few decades. And there's one big exception to that, which is the United States, where suicides have been going up. And that's related to gun ownership. So it does something that I think we, we set out to do, which is to not just to look at a trend within a country. So if you're in the United States, you might think suicide is getting worse because it is for them. But you look at it more globally. And by comparing different countries, you can really bring out some important points.
0: And the way that's done visually, which is very simple because it's a, it's a sombre subject. It's, it's not one where you can come with your kind of bells and whistles. And it's the line, as in the line of a, a graph, isn't it? But it's also on a, a cliff. cliff edge with a, a lonely figure. Yeah. It's very restrained and I think that gives think, it a lot of power. But I think
2: that's generally an important thing about covers is that on subjects that are highly emotive, I think you want to be quite restrained. On on subjects that maybe leave people a little bit cold, you've got to excite them. And so, you you know, you compensate slightly for the, or you adapt the artwork to the subject.
1: It was a difficult one to illustrate that. As you say, it was a fantastic story. It's really remarkable. I think internally it was one of those discussions when we had the discussion about the leader. We thought nobody knew the scale of the decline in suicide around the world apart from in the U.S., But it was very difficult to illustrate. We came up with the word staying alive reasonably quickly, and that then, of course, set off in my mind all kinds of 1970s, you know, Bee Gees things, but then that was quickly not going to work in this context. One of our designers came up with this really rather... Beautiful picture, very sombre colours, but of, a, of somebody walking back from a cliff, which is, as you say, the line, which is also doubles as the line of, of a graph going down. The interesting thing for very carefully observant readers will have noticed that we had two covers that week. In the UK, we had a different cover. We had a Brexit cover called The Truth About a No Deal Brexit, which was a train going off the edge of a cliff. So if you got on a plane in the US and saw the Staying Alive suicide cover with a cliff depicting good news, you would then have landed in the UK and seen another cliff with a train going off the edge. For me, it was the week of two cliffs on the cover.
0: How many arguments do you have? So you work closely together, but I know so you also have little huddles, don't you? And you have, of course, we have a Graham James, one of our main cover designers in those meetings as well. Jenny like, is now smiling enigmatically. Gosh, how honest are we going to be? I think Ed and I, Very most honest.
1: of the time, we, we we have different views on visuals and I think we end up with something probably better than either of us as a result of that tension. Graham James, our cover designer, thinks that most of my visual ideas are completely which is excellent, and so uh, I can see was his eyebrows raised and raised and raised, and he goes, "Oh no!" and he puts his hand over on his head. You know, I think we all bring something different to those, and we always have the writer of the editorial and the people who know most about it. So there's quite a lot of huddles of quite a lot of people. I like to think that Ed and I start in different places, and usually both end up liking what we end up with but um i may be wrong so now's the time
0: to tell me that any on the other side of the table from the deputy editor
2: <laughs> not at all we know i think we do agree most of the time actually and if we always agreed then there'd be it'd be pointless so i think there's a sort of creative differences
0: ed we're at the end of the year we hope people are going to leaf through our christmas edition or have a look at it online What's the cover there, and how do you make Christmas new every year?
2: Well, Christmas covers are unique for us, actually, in that they don't just pick one subject. They try and or represent all the goodies that we have for readers in our double issue, and so the way we tend to do that is to pick. Perhaps one of the stories, and to use that to give us a visual theme that we build a lot of the sort of references to the other Christmas special stories that we have there. So this year, the subject we've picked is is Chinese porcelain. We have a piece on Chinese porcelain, and we've got an image of a bauble made of Chinese porcelain and blue and white. And the images on the bauble refer to the various stories inside. So there's a a bridge and the bars on the bridge have notes on it which is a reference to polyphony we have an artist we have some cranes origami swimming and all of these are are pieces that will be in the christmas issue so it's a a kind of different kind of cover and it's meant to be visually pleasing
0: and enticing Sani, ed thank you both for joining us And we're very proud to announce that Graham James, who designs our covers, has won the British Society of Magazine Editors' Cover of the Year. It was for the issue of August 19th, 2017, and it featured Donald Trump shouting through a megaphone in the shape of a KKK hat after the Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville. And of course, we want to know what you think. Which covers got right to the heart of the story that interested you? Write to us, radio at economist.com, or you can tweet us at Economist Radio. I'm Anne McElvoy, and in London, this is The Economist.